Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95 And she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. This is the Book Riot Podcast. It's a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. We're recording on Thursday, January 27th, 2021. I'm Jeff O'Neill. It's 2022. Today joining me, 2022, Vanessa Diaz is joining and correcting me to tell me what year it is. <laughs> Sitting in for Rebecca, who Hi. is, she's, she's working, but she needed, she's, she's out on the coast. She's taking a breather, a non-podcast friendly environment. So said yes. good wishes to uh, Rebecca and well, all of our mental health, but Rebecca especially is uh, trying to trying to keep her head screwed on semi straight, you know, maybe just a skew, not all, all the way backwards. Just aligned. Point, Vanessa, we got a lot to talk about today, but before we do that, a couple of um, plugs for other things. First, the winter preview draft window is closing. So yep. Rebecca and I decided that we will keep voting open until February 10th. February 10th is the last time you go to bookriot.com um, slash winter draft. There'll be a link in the show notes and you can go do that. I should say the voting is close enough that a few votes can matter. So get your votes in. You can listen to it. Rebecca and I talk about the books that not some we were looking forward to, some we were shamelessly pandering for votes, and then some <laughs> we just wanted to talk about for a few minutes. Um, I've already talked about some of the ones I'm also listening right now. I started How to Be Perfect by Michael Schur, which was on Rebecca's list, um, and it's delightful on audio, and I wish I would have picked it, but there we go. And we're going to continue, Rebecca and I are going to continue to talk about some of the books that we're going to read together in Frontless Corner. I'm going to drag Vanessa into this problem project here in a minute. Speaking of things I've dragged Vanessa into, though in all fairness, um, you mm. dragged yourself yeah. into <laughs> the most recent episode of Adaptation Nation, which was uh, The Tragedy of Macbeth, directed and written for the screen by Joel Cohen, starring Denzel and Francis. Is Francis... Is, if you say Francis, do we know who we're talking about? I feel like maybe not. It's not distinctive enough. Do you we literally just if you just say Francis? I was gonna say you just did the inside of my brain where I was like Denzel, yes, Francis. I'm like say the last name <laughs> like in my head. That's why I was going like all hail Queen Francis. But I think you got to say <laughs> yeah, McDormand. Um, yeah. 
And we had a wonderful time. It's the most recent episode of Adaptation Nation where we talk about the thing and then watch the thing. Or we read the thing, watch the thing, and then talk about the thing with a little little guy named Billy Shakes. You may have heard of him. Uh, and Sharifa Williams and Jed Norley time. We just had a wonderful time. I'd say we just had a great time. Amanda, uh, Amanda wasn't there, but she was sort of the witch in absentia. But Vanessa, yes. we had a good time, right? Oh, yeah. It was, uh, you know, it's going to be a good time when you like sign up to do more work. And yes, I did. Like we volleyed. We normally don't have that many people on a podcast. And we were like, no, we're going to do this because we're very passionate. And it was great. It was just a lot of fun to talk about. Bunch of Billy Shakespeare nerds in a room. Yeah, it was, it was really good, and, and the the movie is good. It's out now on Apple TV. It's worth watching if you like Shakespeare at all. You know, I'd, I'd spent some time in Denzel in because then Amanda and I had done Pelican Brief um, yep. before, which was Denzel and Julia Roberts and what most people consider sort of the, the 90s equivalent of a B-movie political thriller, as these things go, though I really like it. And in my research for that movie something came up that I then forgot to mention in the Scottish play one, which is I'm jokingly referring to, because as some of you know, it's bad luck to say Macbeth in a theater and a podcast. Podcasting is theater of the mind, Vanessa. So I think it applies here. Absolutely. Um, that Denzel got a start in Shakespeare. He was discovered in a production of Coriolanus, what? which I completely forgot to mention while ah. we were talking about Macbeth. And he's done here on Broadway and a bunch of other things. So this is my way of doing follow-up, covering my intellectual ass show title <laughs> to some degree. Um, uh, to mention that here when I really should have mentioned it on the show before. But you can go find Adaptation Nation wherever you get your podcast free and open to the public, as they say. Uh, and we're doing a couple more. Um, the next one up, Amanda and Rebecca and I are saddling up for, I'm going to say, the most influential book of the last 10 years, the most influential novel of the last 10 years. And you can hear my argument for that when the time comes. Vanessa, you may know what we're talking about, and you're, you might also be already be ready to argue or agree with me, but we've got to save that for another time because we're <laughs> going to not uh, divulge what that is now. Go check those out. All right, with enough um, previewing, let's do a, a quick sponsor break, and we'll get back into it. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo. This is one I'm actually super excited about. I liked Lee Bardugo's other adult fantasy books, and so I'm really looking forward to this one. It's set in the Spanish Golden Age during a time of high-stakes political intrigue and glittering wealth. It follows Luzia, a servant in the household of an impoverished Spanish nobleman who reveals a talent for little miracles. Her social climbing mistress demands Luzia use her gifts to win over Madrid's most powerful players, but what begins as simple amusement takes a dangerous turn. Luzia will need to use every bit of her wit and will to survive, even the help of Guillén Santangel, an immortal familiar whose own secrets could prove deadly for them both. So The Familiar by Lee Bardugo is on sale now. And like I said, it's a must read of the season. It's perfect for anyone who loves history, a little bit of magic, a lot of danger. You can get your copy now at LeeBardugoTheFamiliar.com. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read, and I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer, always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest-paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. All right, Vanessa, I haven't had you on in a while, and it's close enough to the end of the year where I can do things to you, like put you to the, yes. the torture test of what your favorite book of 2021 was, what books of 22 you're looking forward to. All caveats aside, this is impossible, blah, blah, blah. 
What do you want to... You, you put them here. You wanna, you've got two to shout out. Were those both new releases? I know Ariadne by Jennifer Saint was, so I know that's a new yes. release. So talk about that one first. I was trying not to do the thing where I messaged you at like a really ridiculous hour to be like, do you mean favorite of 2021 because it came out that year? Like, it's I, all fine. It's all yes. fine. Yes. So that actually probably may have changed my answer. But going with yeah. the releases in 2021, just because I don't hear as many people talking about it, Master of Jin by P. Jelly Clark was a phenomenal read, and it's the first full-length novel mm. in the Dead Gen universe, uh, which is a lot of fun. So if you want to, you can read the other two novellas. Uh, I did and breezed through them just to kind of get an idea for the world it was set in, which is like a right. steampunk Cairo. Yes. And then Ariadne, because if it's got mythology in it, I'm probably going to read it. <laughs> so that's that's for all the Circe heads out there, right? Yep. I mean, this is if you're looking, it's, it's, it's it in me. the same vein. I haven't read this, right? Yeah, I it, that's I don't yeah it's it's great it's it's specifically targeted towards people who love Cersei and that is me so <laughs> I'm gonna save this for a minute but I want to put a pin in the Cersei uh, the the many children of Cersei or I guess maybe many children of Song of Achilles technically because that yep. book did well enough that Madeline Miller got another book mm-hmm. but then Cersei is now an a fish TikTok phenomenon and by being a fish TikTok phenomenon you're mm-hmm. a fish book phenomenon and. Do the follow-on books have any TikTok coattails? Are people are people is the algo serving people Ariadne takes on TikTok right now? You know, I haven't I don't know seen Ariadne. I spend an absurd amount of time on TikTok lurking. Like I barely ever yeah. create anything, but it's it's mainly for like f- food. <laughs> but I am mm-hmm. definitely now looped into the book talk, and I haven't seen right. as much talk about Ariadne. But like you'd have to close your eyes and put your fingers in your ears to not stumble across, in particular, Song of Achilles talk. <laughs> So I'm, I don't know if it'll catch up or not, but uh, yeah, it's I haven't seen. It yeah, let's save let's save our TikTok discussion because yes, I think it's, it's warranted it's to the 2021 up. bestsellers here in a minute. But I think this idea of how you know how top heavy TikTok phenomenon seem to be, and whether or not there's anything people can do, or the phenomenon's there. But Ariadne would seem an interesting test case, right? It, it yep. looks like Circe. It does. It, it sounds like Circe. It looks like it reads like Circe. Now, just because it's a coat tailor doesn't mean it should, or you know, historically. I guess the history of um, a, a book that I'm thinking about for no reason whatsoever, say Gone Girl, just to pick one at total random, Vanessa. <laughs> sure. Uh, right? We got what Girl on the Train was a coat tailor that picked up. Yeah. But there, haven't, there, were, there haven't been a ton of like number one bestsellers on the bestseller list for 21 week Gone Girl no. like things. Now, there's been a lot of been successful, but nothing has reached the heights of Gone Girl. So maybe it's an unfair comparison. But when we're, what we're really trying to gauge, I guess, still, and publishing is doing this because I'm, I'm in marketing meetings. I'm talking to people in publishing and they're trying to figure out what, if anything, can be done with TikTok's enormous power to move units outside of put out books that you think are good and hope they get picked up because they can move units. But it's not clear that they move anything other than the three Colleen Hoover books, Sarah J. Moss yep. and um, the, well, the Madeline Millers. And I guess there's a couple there's, you know, there's Adam Silvera and there's a couple of the thrown in, but we can name the top 10. But yep. then the next 10, I think, are hard to identify. Do I have this read right in your yeah, estimation, I think so. in your experience so far? Yeah, I think so. So anyway, Ariadne, shout that out. Go go, give a, a reaction meme video sound effect to Ariadne. I think we get the ball <laughs> rolling on that. And the other one is, um, it, you said it's Steampunk Cairo, and that's a new release. But it's it, is it a new release or not? I'm sorry. It is, Master yeah. Of so is. Master okay. of Jin is the new release, but the first two novellas that were set in the world ah. will introduce the um, main character, Fatma, the investigator. They were introduced mm-hmm. in the first novella, which is oh my gosh, I can't remember the name of it anymore. But it's they're both um, those are backlist, and you but they you don't have to read them all if you don't want to. That's nice. And then your books to looking forward to. None of these were I don't have any of these on my Rebecca and I didn't talk about these in winter draft. I don't they may not be winter titles, but tell me about some of these. Like Arsenic No Dobe, I think you talk about before on this show when I asked you a similar question. Is I that might possible? Have, that name yeah. rings a bell. So the thing that's like a little bit challenging for me with books in the last like year and like kind of for the foreseeable future for those who don't know is that I am on the all the books podcast yeah so um my reading is because I'm not the, the liberties of the world who can read a book like in two and a half hours is that I, my so much of my reading is driven by specifically what's coming out the week that I'm on a show ah uh, yes um, reading ahead for a specific it's a rally not a race Vanessa. yeah like and a rally I point absolutely use audiobooks to try to kind of get to backlist stuff but it is so driven um you know by that particular like literal date on the calendar so i was like well i'm gonna think of some ones that i feel like maybe don't have as much buzz around them or that maybe anyway so that's why i picked um yeah homicide and hollow hollow is the sequel to arsenic and adobo which i think amanda and i have both talked about 
Maybe being, it was a man. Uh, I can't remember. I've heard this before. One of us, someone's talking. We're about both it. big stand girls for this series. It is a mm. uh, cozy, the cozy mystery, which is great. But you know, for anybody who reads that genre, it's like hella white. And we're finally yeah. seeing people of color get to break into that genre, specifically the foodie ones. So this one is uh, Filipino inspired, which I think is amazing. Or Philippine. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that's a sequel. Cartographers by Peng Shepard is one that's getting a decent amount of buzz. Yeah, um, it is a little bit. What is that yeah. about? I don't remember. I wanna, it's funny because I actually know very little about it on purpose, okay. except that it is being billed for, I, th- I think this one is actually set in a, well, it's obviously cartographer, so it's got like, I think an, an ancient map maker mystery, and it's billed as being in the vein of, um, oh my gosh, the 24-hour bookstore. Um, uh, oh Why uh, is the title? Escape to speak. Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour book, yeah, bookstore. Yes. Yeah. So that plus like map making is sort of what mm, I'm getting from I'm that, in, which is in. I'm, I'm in. So I'm super in. Yep. Cool. And then you know, and then Billy Shakes. So Shakes. Speaking of the guy, <laughs> yeah. You may have heard, ever heard of him? <laughs> yeah. This there's a re- remake of Romeo and Juliet coming out, which is probably all I really. I, I love me some Romeo and Juliet, but this one is set in San Diego with a Mexican chef, and it's around like a taco business. So it's like yeah, yeah, like put that in my veins. <laughs> So that too is one of my books that I'm looking for. I'm about to listen to it as soon as we get off this. Call. Are any of these out or are you reading for like April? See, people who listen, many of you probably listen to yeah. Liv and her rotating um, band of merrymakers on mm-hmm. all the books. The thing you have to understand, the thing that Vanessa and the rest of y'all have to do, it reminds me of like the Tour de France a little bit where, <laughs> yeah. you know, the team Italy has the, the dude or whoever that's going to win. And then the rest of the team is there to help them out on like, the mountain day and you're there and you just you just are there to be part of a team you can't do what the lead is doing none of us can do what lib do all we can do is is and i don't do this because i i can't even keep with the view that that are trying to keep up (laughs) is give a a a quick inning of relief pitching now i'm mixing my sports metaphor so i'm really out of my depth (laughs) so you got i'm there i'm going to show up for this day so what's your next appearance do you have it on your calendar what's your next time you got to you got a it carb is, load. I think we'll be recording next week uh, on okay. Friday. So it'll be like the Tuesday after that, whatever that is. Yeah. yeah. So it's coming up pretty shortly here. <laughs> so these books are, the, the books you're reading for the episode are either, they're going to be coming out that week. So yeah. pretty soon enough that people mm-hmm. could have put on their list. Um, I think these are all cool. And then yeah, winter or spring. And then things you've read recently. I've heard, don't spoil it for me, but I've heard some stuff about the ending of Wahala by Nikki May don't spoil uh, it for me, but I need I more than these this ellipsis you have here. I need yeah. a little more meat on the bone than that. It is a phenomenal book. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, Wahala by Nikki May. And the, the thing I do absolutely feel like I need to say to anybody who asks me about this is that I don't agree with the comps that are given for this book. Um, okay. it is, everywhere you read, it's comped to Sex in the City. And I think that is... And this is, again, no disrespect in case the author was the one who came up with this, but I just don't... Right. I think it's a really... It does the book a disservice. Um, yeah, there's four women, but what else? <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's the story's basically about these four women and the tea, like really, really short non-spoiler version is just that as their lives progress, like three of them are core best friends. And now there's like this other interloper who's entered the group who is putting some cracks in this foundation of their friendship through some interesting ways. And you're watching that happen like as the omniscient person, but you, you know each of these women is being affected by this fourth person and it's building up intention. You see all these like really, really big things happening. And then you realize there's very little left of the book hmm. and a bunch of stuff. And then you get this ending and every single person I've talked to has been like, no, but wait, like, did, did I interpret it correctly? Did this thing happen? Did this all get wrapped up this way? Did I misinterpret how that went down? And it's so that's the part. I still think it's a really, really interesting exploration of women's choices of friendship, of like mm. what feminism means as far as like supporting the decisions other women make, how women of color are impacted in like very white space. Like there's a whole lot of, I think, excellent elements to the book, but I. I just really wish Mariba would read this and discuss that ending with me because I just don't know mm. if I'm like all the way there. Still worth the read. I think you should read it, but yeah. Yeah, that sounds cool. Um, Want to do one more notable read? You got a couple here. Pick one. Yeah, pick one. Um, I'll just do the recent holiday anthology that came out then. It's just called Amor Actually. You know, there's holiday romance galore, but it's not, again, often that you see ones that are diverse. And this one's got a really cool lineup of authors like a... Uh, Soraya Cordova, I think, was the one that edited it. Um, mm-hmm. Mia Sosa. I mean, it's this wonderful collection of just Latine authors writing about love, and it was really cool and refreshing to see something like that. Cool. 
Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's do one kind. Let's do one news story that I've. It's more of a. It's interesting. So Ruth Bader Ginsburg's book collection is up for auction right yep. now. Um, kind of an interesting collection to get law heavy, as, as you might expect. But the highest bidding is going for a signed copy of My Life on the Road, which mm-hmm. is Gloria Steinem's memoir. Um, hard to think of. That's like a checker on a checker. Like Steinem's memoir in Ginsburg's collection is the most like mainstream feminist single document I can think <laughs> yeah, of. Yeah, it sure is. Is that right? I, I'm trying to think of another one you could really, really get. Maybe like, I don't know, Hillary Clinton's Sandra Day O'Connor biography, but like Sandra Day O'Connor's Republican, so it's not quite as attractive. Interesting collection. My question to you here is, if you had a chance to bid on some author's collection, what author are you? Do you want to look through and make a bid on something, Vanessa? I didn't prep you for this. I no, meant you this is a thing I would do to Rebecca. So in order to sit in Rebecca's Equal chair, treatment. you have to just sit there and take a thing like this. Does anyone jump to mind? Or you can take another tack, which is, is there anyone that would get a higher um, level of mainstream interest for their book collection right now than Ruth Bader Ginsburg that you can imagine now? You don't have to say they're dead or not. Just say they can be alive and put their books up for auction. So we don't want to put the, the, the evil oh, okay. eye on anyone, if you hear what I'm saying. Yeah. So I, I, I was having a hard time beating Ginsburg for I want some of the Ginsburg memorabilia uh, from a, a book from a book perspective. Collection. Yeah, I was when I went into I kind of anticipated I'd be asked something in this realm. Mm-hmm. And there I you really, go. You see? listen to the show, Vanessa see? Diaz. I do quite consistently, actually. Yes. Um I honestly had a hard time asking, like, thinking whether or not I'm the kind of person who is going to want to bid on an auction for a per, like, at least in this kind of money. Uh, I anticipated I, your anticipation. Ye, I, you've got right? ten grand you can only spend on. <laughs> okay, this. got it, got it. Okay, um, yeah. that is a toughie. I have been known to have too many glasses of mulled wine and walk into a bookstore and buy a rare copy of <laughs> Agatha Christie in my life. Uh, oh, there you go. Come so on. I like yeah. that's a thing because she's my favorite author, and I, I am actually kind of on a mission to collect all of her works mm. in interesting ways, like not cheating and you know. Going to are there are there Spanish language versions that are interesting? I don't even. I'm, I believe there are, and like I'm I wonder, trying there's some to weird, wait. There might be some interested weird ones that are out there. From that's like what the I would love to do. I'd love when it's okay again to like go travel, obviously back to yeah. Mexico, and like just find some Indy and see if I can find like a hella old copy um, mm-hmm. of something like that. A lot of the ones I can think of that would get bigger bids are people I just don't want to mention. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> because they don't. For no, re- I hear you. You that's know what fine. I'm talking about. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear the one. And that's that's the big one. I, I I'm sure that, that that's the case for others, but it's hard to imagine. RBG is such an icon, and yeah, the like interesting yeah. mix of the kinds of books that like the get the glorious tied up like overlap is pretty pretty interesting. I can't. I mean, I think like Toni Morrison could, but I don't know if that's me being a Toni Morrison stand. Like, yeah, I, I that's what I was gonna say. I think you know the difference here is that these aren't her papers necessarily. These Indeed. are just her. Like her on stuff. her shelves, and I'm yeah. sure her papers will go to some institute. Most of Morrison's work, I think, is going to Princeton. I already went to Princeton oh, several right, years yeah. ago. But in terms of her actual, like her copy of I don't know Faulkner, Sound and Fury, that would be a, a foundational document, right? Sure. Clearly, you know, she did her master's thesis on Faulkner, yep. heavily influenced by, took it to new extremes. If she had a special Faulkner, you could say, you know, Morrison's copy of Faulkner is an interesting one. But RBG, it, she was merchandised, right? Even before she was, yep. the, you would buy a tote bag. With our, and she became a, yep. a tote bag, a totem. Her for, collar is like a thing you can buy. Yeah, right. Just for a costumes. certain kind of like normie liberal woman, yep. especially, she's it. She's the she's the Dallas Cowboys of that. I can't come up with a better one. I don't think Hillary Clinton's collection would even fetch nope. the same thing. There's just not as much of a cult is too strong, but Coven maybe is a yep. little weaker, but maybe more descriptive. Maybe someday Michelle Obama or Barack Obama's. I was going to say in the future, like King, there. maybe like Stephen King, just again going back to like culty yeah. kind of like fan base, maybe. But I, yeah, it's hard to imagine it. Hard to imagine what else is going to be George R. R. Martin stuff. Ah, uh, yeah. It's just it's not there. Like anything that has a, that kind of pop culture, you got to have a pop culture now. David Bowie was a big reader. He mm. died a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. Are people yeah. into that? I think it's it's two different. Fan bases, so you, you need check on a checker. You need books on books, baby, um, in order to get the highest kind of bid here. So, long story short, this might be a uniquely, um, might be a uniquely 
interesting book collection. No one else is... Gloria Steinem's own copy of My Life on the Road is not going to go for $18,000. I guess that no. maybe tells you everything else you, <laughs> you need to know on it. No shade on Gloria. That's just true. Yeah, part of me wants to like start <laughs> trying to chase down famous people and making other people sign their books and just like hold on to them for a long Yeah, time. right. And then get famous. <laughs> yeah, like who can I think yeah, of? So, you, yeah. so that your heirs can auction off your stuff. Uh, <laughs> After the fact, I don't. Do you have so you collect Agatha Christie? You say, mm-hmm. and what what other notable rare book purchases you've made while you know having had a glass and a half of Merlot or something <laughs> like that? Yeah, um, I try to just basically go about doing it so that like if I'm in a place I haven't been to, like try that bookstore. A lot of the ones I currently have were absolutely purchased when I was in Hay, which is that like you know little bookish oh, town. Hay and Y, right? Exactly. Yep. Uh, it's got something, what, like 30-something bookstores, I think, and a lot of them are secondhand. There was one called, I think, Murder and Mayhem, and so I got a lot of real mm. oldies, like the kind that smell in that way and have really terrible advertisements in the back that you can like rip yes. off and supposedly send away to like get a pocket watch or whatever. <laughs> uh, Unbelievable so stuff. Stuff like yeah. that, yeah. I try to make it be kind of like rare and interesting places. Mm-hmm. I have... Um... When I was in grad school, I would troll the Strand for like old academic textbooks yep. because they're a they're really expensive and b they go out of print and we didn't mm-hmm. have I don't know if a lot of the stuff gets captured digitally now but you could find like oh, a yeah. weird old anthology of critical essays on Whitman that you know was published in 1974 and if your library didn't have it there was no way to get that I kind of missed yep. that because I, they yeah. weren't very expensive because the market for them was very small um, and they would then be reference books I, I don't. I did book collecting in a more serious way when I was younger. I guess as I've gotten older, it's just not when I was spending, you know, then it sits on your shelf and yep. then what? You know, you know the deal. It's like, it's cool and you will like to have it, but wine is enjoyed then and you move yep. on, right? You can do yeah. it that way a little bit. I was at funny, got, I'm, I, I'm glad you brought that up because when I was reading this piece, like there is a line in there that says like, you know, the thick modern folks are like not book collectors in the same way per se. And I will fully admit yeah. that my first reaction was like, ugh. That's not true, but I, the more I sat with it, like I, I, I do think it is. I just don't know that folks are not yeah. again for those of you out here. Like, don't come for us because I know that there's plenty who do, and I obviously just said that I am one of those people. But yeah, the older I get, and I don't know if this is in part like a COVID reaction, but I'm kind of buying into that like drink the good wine now <laughs> philosophy. Yeah, about there things. you go. Right. So I'm yeah. starting to feel experience a less... is not things. Exactly. Is a COVID kind yep. of mo absolutely. For sure. Yeah, we don't have a lot. I mean, for as bookish of a company as we are, especially on the editorial and product side and, you know, this kind of thing that we make, I don't think we have a lot of collector collectors. Rebecca isn't. She's like Galley nope. and Galley or Die. Get it away from me. Yeah. Amanda Kelly's is similar. Kelly's a big proponent. Yeah, exactly. Kelly, yeah. Sharif, uh, I don't think collects. She so has I, a decent chunk, but yeah, I think it's, you know, she's had to move recently and too was like, yeah, I got to yeah. get rid of some stuff. Like, Right, right. So anyway, if you're out there and you've got a better bookish auction idea than Ginsburg's collection and notably Ginsburg's copy of Steinem. I, I would really like to hear that podcast at bookriot.com. All right, we're going to do another sponsor break and we're going to, the next segment, we're going to break down 2021's bestsellers by publisher and then by title and why I think this metric is now broken for what book people books people are actually buying right now. Today's episode is brought to you by W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated. So Negative Space by Jillian Linden follows a week in the life of an English teacher at a New York private school. At home, her children ask constant questions about mortality and her husband offers occasional counsel between Zoom calls. At school, something happens. She accidentally witnesses an ambiguous, possibly inappropriate interaction between a teacher and a student. But how can she be sure of what she saw? Negative Space is a portrait of a woman caught between the pressures of what's normal and what isn't, and examines what we owe the people who depend on us in a fractured and indifferent world. It's a debut novel and a short novel. It's perfect if you want something quick and easy to carry around, but it's also thought-provoking. It takes place during the pandemic, but it's not pandemic-focused, and it really just looks at everyday anxieties and low-threat situations that have high consequences. So make sure to check out Negative Space by Jillian Linden. And thanks again to W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. 
haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet, we dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is the perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? Pick up The Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. If you've heard Rebecca and I talk about this over time, you know that book scan is the best way to sell what books are selling. And it is also the worst for this reason. Yeah. That it's really only focused on front list, even if that front list is paperback. Vanessa knows this from being a bookseller, right? Yep. That this does not represent what people are buying necessarily. This represents what people are buying that's been released in hardcover in the last 12 months or new in paperback in the last 12 months, except when it comes to kids' books, which is just everything always, yep. anything that's ever been released, because they want to, they hate us and they don't want us to understand anything. <laughs> they and don't that's want us why to they win. do it that way. <laughs> they don't want us to understand what's going on. So when you see what the best selling book of the month or the week that is in NBD Bookspan or Book or Publishers Weekly, that takes out the thing that might actually have been the best-selling thing that week. And the reason we know this, Vanessa, is because uh, what's the oh the end of us? What's the Colleen Hoover one with the pink cover that's on TikTok all over the place? Come yeah, on, I come can on. see it too. And it's, oh my this gosh. is us, the end of us, whatever it is. It's something it's like gonna that. It's going to come to me. I don't have it off the top of my – yes, it's going to come to me. We're going to be very angry about it. But that book last week sold 50,000 copies, which is twice what any hardcover fiction or front-list paperback fiction title sold – and it doesn't appear on any of these lists. And we, Rebecca and I talked about this when Crawdads dropped off mm -hmm. the hardcover fiction list. I was like, wait a minute. Crawdads went number from number four to off the list. And what had happened was it was older than a year at that point. It hadn't yep. been released in paperback. The hardcover was older than a year. So what It ends with us. Sorry, it just came to me. <laughs> and thank you so much, Vanessa. That's why you're here. Thank you so much. And, and last week, Colleen Hoover had three books in the top ten best-selling books of the week in raw numbers, but only one of them appeared on any list in BookScan because, well, not in BookScan, but the way Publishers Weekly Publishers and BookScan Weekly. does this, because Verity was new in paperback. So it got to be there, but it ends with us, and then there's another one in the middle that I can't remember now. Me neither. Doesn't show up here. So what's the point now? I feel like we shouldn't do this anymore we shouldn't do this why why are we doing this now why are we why are we reporting does this serve anyone my only thought is that maybe publishers want to know of the new releases what's yeah, selling exactly that's what i was about to but say it's like i think it's in for, that way god it's so frustrating because like i think this would be a news story right that yeah. like this is a way to get people it ends with us there it is right there thank you so much mm -hmm. reminders of him is calling hoover's new release and that's now number one overall Right. Well, okay. Yeah. So that's on there because it's a new release in hardcover. Colleen Hoover was the story of last year. And if you read this piece, Vanessa, her name's not on this. Nope. Nowhere. So this is invalid. This is nothing. That's my theory. Now, yeah. You basically have that, to reread that. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's a bestseller by publisher, but Colleen Hoover's not on there. She used the, I, I If it's out there, this is another one. I, I was looking for a Colleen Hoover profile and I don't think it's out there. Like, it's not out there. She sold 800,000 yeah. copies in print alone last year. And there's not a New York Times profile of her Nothing, at this point. Yeah. A New Yorker thing, a New York magazine. We don't do this, but if we did profiles, like, I think this is, yeah. this is the story no one is talking about except people who are like, oh, my God, TikTok. But it hasn't bubbled up to this layer. And I feel like there's such a disconnect right now. Again, TikTok, book talk is not everything, but it's enough of a thing it's that enough, if yeah. you and I are going to talk about this list and not talk about you know, the seven and a half husbands or whatever. I can never remember what these things are. Um, the, the Taylor Jenkins reads. Taylor Jenkins totally, reads, her, yeah. Totally not her debut novel. Nope. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Evelyn Hugo. Hugo or... Seven and a half. Uh, what's, seven and a half. Or the Court of Thorns and Blood and Bone and Roses series. <laughs> I can never keep that one straight. I have a funny either. story about that. 
<laughs> yeah, I w- please insert. It's random, but like the short version is that I was trying to get uh, our contributors to solicit bookish quotes, right? That that's the yes. short version of it. Yeah. And so I put in an example for them like at the top where I just filled in like my name and whatever. And then I it's you mm-hmm. know, you had to put the book. So I put a throne of socks and feelings because I was trying to be funny and make up and I cannot tell you how many DMs I got from people being like, "Is that a Sarah J Maas title? Is that her new one coming up?" Or like, well, "Who's who's going to, you know, what, what who's that by?" And I'm like, "I made it up." It's <laughs> really funny. Anyway, continue. <laughs> there was a meme generator going around of like, if your birthday yeah. is in this month and you're, you know... Uh, what street you grew up else. on or whatever, What yeah. street going, insert your nouns to um, noun of noun and adjective or something like that. Um, okay, so that's my big rant about how useful these things are. Now, having said that, it's still pretty interesting. I'm only kind of laying in the weeds a little bit here. I didn't give us any kind of more specific where does your eyeball wander to, but do your eyeball wander anything to... Uh, link in the show notes... There's a piece in Publisher Weekly by Liz Hartman where they do a couple things. One is which publishers had the most bestsellers, yeah. which for our purposes is maybe the second most or third most interesting thing. I was really looking at the longest running bestsellers, most weeks on the list. So anything there that st- stood it out to you, notable absences, notable presences here. I was, I guess, yeah, like, um, that's what I'm looking for. Pleased to see that, like, Crying in H Mart is on yeah. the list. Obviously, Cersei <laughs> talk about, like, books that... Um, mm-hmm. The trade paperback, uh, I think, made it onto that list. That's right. That's right. It did. It did make it onto that list. Yep. Uh, Crawdads is obviously on there. I was interested by a, well, I'm not interested. Like a Silent Patient by Alex Michaelides is like obviously yeah. I know a book that like a lot of people read, but I would have lost the bet about it like still being on this list. And again, trade paperback, so that could be one of the reasons. But mm-hmm. um, I wasn't I wasn't expecting that at all. That book so I mean that book sold in hardcover it and the did. maidens came out and the reason it was on my radar I this is not the kind of book I would normally read but it it had the the maidens had a 500k print run so I was like oh there this is going to be a book yeah. so I'm not surprised to see here the maidens unfortunately was not great I don't it's not didn't sell nearly well Silent, Silent Page is the one yeah, people are still reading um hardcover nonfiction it's hard to remember because some of the way this happens is things that came out in 2020 at yeah. the end of the year if they're popular <laughs> Yeah. Can then dominate 2021. And I'm looking at cast, cast. Uh, Isabel Wilkerson, mm-hmm. right? 39, or sorry, what am I looking at here? 30 weeks on the hardcover nonfiction list. Um, the other one that jumped out to me is um, The Hill We Climb, 16 weeks on the list. So that's just the poem, right? That they rushed out yeah, in April. Just that single, exactly the like slap it out, get it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's another one. We have the right winger stuff, American Marxism, killing the mob. There's no one left to kill for Bill O'Reilly at this point. I don't know where we're going to mm. go next, but I feel like they've had speculative killing things all along, around the go here. We've talked over time, Rebecca and I have, and, and I think we have editorially too, about how, especially when we started this show and then the site 10 years ago, diversity of pub- in publishing the titles is a wildly different landscape. I tell yep. you what's not a different landscape is the <laughs> hardcover fiction bestsellers. Yeah. Of the top 10 that have been on the list the longest, only one by a person of color, The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Yeah. And it needed, it got and needed a lot of acclaim and book clubs and awards to be the fifth, or yeah, the fifth longest run of 23 yeah. weeks. The other nine are Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, Midnight Library, Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave, The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna, Billy Summers by Stephen King, Project Tale Mary by Andy Weir, Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid, Suli by John Grisham, and The Return by Nicholas Sparks. Shouts to Nick Sparks. Um, just that out here. You just, just out here selling <laughs> books. He and the Grish. It doesn't <laughs> yep. matter and moves units. There we go. Yep. Um, and I guess I just want to say that, right? As much... Yep. and. This is one of the things I think that's hard to to know is that it's incumbent, of course, on publishing people that cover books, that buy books, that market them, to acquire, market, edit, and bring to to bring to the market books by people of color. But they are just one half of the equation, right? The other half of yeah. the equation, people got to buy the books, right? And you know this as well as anyone from working on the front lines of a bookstore. This is, I think. I guess my theory, this is where most of the work still to be done is, is getting people then to buy the books that are now more available than ever. I still think there's marketing and other things to be done for sure. But a lot of ways, the horse has been brought to the water. And I'm just wondering if that, what's going to take to get the horse to drink the water in a different kind of way? I don't know. Vanessa, any thoughts about that? Or 
Yeah, I guess I'm disappointed to see still that to be a, the biggest of the big sellers, yep. still got to be a white person, it looks like. Yeah, I am a little of two minds. Like, I do think that, yeah, what's how are we going to get like more people to buy? But I also really do super just believe in that, you know, publishing puts its dollars behind very yeah. specific stuff. And to be fair, yeah. I mean, Invisible Life of Addie LaRue is probably one that, like, I remember seeing in everyone's face. Some of these are just folks who've been around for a while. Like, again, T- Taylor Jenkins Reid is a kind yep. of people. But there was obviously a lot of marketing dollars behind Malibu Raising, too. A lot of these, I mean, Kristen Hanna. It's one of those like every people just buy I mean, their books and King just, and Grish and the Sparks, books, yeah. yeah. So to some extent, I'm still kind of in the well. We need to just put more marketing dollars behind this kind of stuff in like the right way. And then the other part, yeah, is like how do we get more people to buy more of the books that aren't just these very particular faves? Like how and we do, you know, that's a nut I try to crack in my literal everyday yes. job. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah. Well, and I, you know, it's hard to know. I mean, I think that's why I say there's still foot to be put on the pedal from the the supply side let's yeah, put it absolutely. on the demand side that comment i just made about we could probably name the book talk top 10 yeah any people of color in that TikTok top 10 that we could name off the top of their heads that we see incessantly all the time i'd struggle vanessa i, I really too. would and who's on that that's that's on mm. the racism embedded in all of us none of us you know that kind of it's everywhere and nowhere but like that's where you really see it it's like is it a surprise that the top seven, eight, nine titles we can all see get foisted on, and then the algorithm gets picked up because everyone puts it on their thing. I was because everyone say, puts that it on algorithm, their thing. yeah. And there's a lot Feeds. to be mm, TikTok algorithms too. There's you know, well, that's what I'm saying. That. Like yeah, none exactly. of ain't, none of this is is a le- level playing <sighs> field nope. still. And like the last the last battlefront in people's hearts and minds on the buy side. I think that's mm-hmm. the real last battlefront, and it's going to take, I guess, a lot more time and more understanding of how these things work, but. On the other hand, you look at nonfiction, it's kind of yeah. a different story. <laughs> yeah, you know, is. we get Zahner, um, we get... Uh, Wilkerson, obviously. Uh, Isabel Ashley Wilkerson, Ford. we get Gorman, we get Ashley Ford. So I don't know what that's about. I don't, I don't honestly know why. which of those is the signal and which of the noise, and maybe you have to take them both um, at their time. But we don't have authors. We don't have Grisham. We don't have Sparks. We don't have Daniel Steele. We don't yeah. have a Stephen King person of color. They put out a book and they sell 100,000 copies Yeah, or, or, over the first couple of weeks. And they don't stay there for 17 weeks. Well, we do have one coming out. We saw, I didn't put this in there because we've kind of gotten away from new book coming out as being a story we do here. Sure. I think one that would be re- relevant here is Celeste Ng. Oh, who yeah. Is one of the more yeah, yeah. bankable crossover literary commercial fiction writers. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised if her book coming out in October... Could right. it do last thing he told me kind of business? It I think could. so. Yeah, I think she's got enough of that crossover, like you said, and she's a bit, yeah. in between the people who came to her because of the adaptation, the people that came through her because the book was books were buzzy. Right. Um, yeah, it is. I think very possible that that we could. See and that both of her books have been done well on the bestsellers. People like mm-hmm. them, and they seem to scratch whatever itch that is. That uh, I guess the last thing he told me. That's a daughter of Gone Girl or a granddaughter of Gone Girl, don't you think? The psychological yeah, thriller by a woman centering on women. Um, that's an interesting one. Uh, let's see other things here. The Duke and I, by Julia Quinn from Avon, seventeen weeks in trade paperback. Seventeen weeks. That's not part of Bridgerton, right? I, or is it? Is that a Bridgerton mm, book? That's a Julia Quinn, and I, yeah, it's, yeah, it says right there, Bridgerton. And I want to so say this might book. be the one that Bridgerton was. No, is it the next I'll one? That's see, coming I need out? to. I, don't, I need to get my head around. I watched the series too, but I had never read the books. Yeah. So like, and I want to say that this next chapter coming out might be one that's based on the Duke and I, the title. I I could be wrong. Don't hurt, you know, hurt me. But yeah, it is absolutely a Bridgerton book. The other one that I think, I think we're on um, author brand watch, like authors that are becoming brands. The other one that's on here for me is Emily Henry. People we meet on vacation selling very well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Beach Reads was I think now she, people are going to pick her up, right? She's Mm -hmm. now in. And you do see that on TikTok too. (laughs) Yeah, you do see on that TikTok, but it comes out of the J. Courtney Sullivan, Emily Straub summer like yeah. upmarket commercial fiction kind of realm. It's 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 white women on lounge chair covers in cartoon form. <laughs> it's like this genre. Um, but now people are and there's another one coming out, I think this May called Must Love Books, which is just pandering for dollars, which hey, get it. That's fine with me. Yeah, absolutely. Rupee Rupee. She's on here, homebody. 
Haven't oh my about gosh, her yeah. I forgot. There she is. I actually just brand, saw brand, that brand. book at Powell's and was like, oh, <laughs> like I forgot. Yeah, talk about a book that sells, but I don't see, I mean, we don't talk about it. We don't see people in our kind of how we think about books. It's not, she's got her followers, but she's like the John yeah. Grisham of Instagram poetry. And that yeah. kind of stays there. And there's a lot of people there. Gorman's new book that came out of this fall. I mean, it was, it got a stand, standing spinner display in Target. That's how yep. big of a book, a Gorman's yep. book in. The other one we're going to see here is Atlas of the Heart from Brene Brand. That's not on here because it came out too late in the year to get on for it all. But somebody's daughter, I mean, debut, baby. I mean, I think yeah. the ones you got to say was Zoner and Ford. Zoner and Ford, yeah. I think those are the two that I'm really pulling out of. Can we break out and create some new stampable brand name recognition careers for folks? I'm really hoping. Because I think Britt Bennett now has two books out. And the the yeah. the first one, the second one sold better than the first. Yeah. Um, which I think is uh, telling, but for I hope I really hope Ashley and Michelle's honor. Um, Ashley's been on the show, so I can call her by her first name, Vanessa. That's how it works. She's been <laughs> yes. on twice. Totally, I know. Yeah, and can I can I can I um, get a ruling on um, uh, one question for you? My Hero Academia, Volume Twenty Eight. Ah, uh, yes. Should I know more about this? I know manga sells, and I've heard this title a lot, and I know it sells like gangbusters. Sure does. Is there something here for me, Vanessa? Is there something here for you? I have recently just, decided that I need to know the same question because, uh, yeah, every year I say that I'm going to just like take more time to read comics and manga, and again, all the books dominate so much of my thing, et cetera. But uh, I know. yeah, I edit obviously a lot of our on-site content. And That's what I was going to ask you about. If you, but here academia is on many a list and sounds like a thing that for, if for no other reason just to kind of be in the know about the zeitgeist and about a very 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 popular manga series i i need to know a little bit more about it yeah. so yeah I'm, I'm gonna start picking up the first couple and apparently have 28 volumes to work my way through so here's what we should do we should read together my hero academia volume one but before we and then talk about it before we should do that we should guess what it's about because i have no <laughs> idea that title to me i mean i'm in an academia, an academia hero. I, I don't know what this is. I know I see it a lot. It sells like gangbusters. So this would be a good bonus content where you and I play um, uh, guess what it's about and then read it and see how close we are. I have literally no idea. Like I, I really don't. Could, you could you could tell me anything and I'd be like, sure, that seems plausible. <laughs> You're like, uh, oh yeah, bananas <laughs> on sale. Yeah, at a right. Whatever. Store. Yeah. I, don't, I, got, I got everything else here. Uh, let's see. Anything else from the. Do you want to do any publisher stuff on the top? I don't know what to say about which publishers had the most books and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just interesting. Like, the just small, very obvious takeaway that we've talked about is that, you know, if PRH and Simon do become a happy family, it's like that list will just be dominated by their books, which is, you know, a thing. But it was nice to see some indie representation on there. Harlequin was really putting out a lot of... You know, mm. numbers for HCs. Yeah, so it's stuff that we've heard, nothing super new, but it'll yeah, I think you're just... right. I think you're right to say that the top line is the top line. So maybe yeah. by individual imprint, that Ballantine versus Berkeley, like yep. that's super insider baseball. And I barely care about it. And I care about ba- insider yep. baseball more than most, most. folks on staff, <laughs> even. Yeah, for, certainly <laughs> most. But if you look at the big five, which is maybe big four, asterisk, asterisk, DOJ, DOJ, yep. um, PRH had 30. 8.3% of the bestsellers, caveat, caveat. Uh, Simon had was 12.8. So they were the third by a nose over Hachette. So together they'd be 50. And we've talked about PRH's market share before. And remember that backlist isn't showing up here. Correct. When you get to backlist and some other things, I, my understanding <laughs> is that those things really, those things would really balloon for PRH. Yeah. Um, what's interesting though, if you go to paperback front list, the big five share of the market actually shrinks. The big five share of hardcover is 89.1, which is huge. 79% of paperback. I think that's romance. That's what I was about to say. Like when I mentioned Harlequin, that was absolutely what I was like. But Harlequin is HC. Harlequin's HC though. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And I actually, I think you're looking at like Andrews McNeil, (laughs) like some of the other kind of stuff, um, uh, that shows up there. And then also... Um, the manga stuff. Yep. The manga stuff is not Big Five. That's Viz Media, which Viz is... Media. Mm-hmm. They sell a lot of manga, but they're not something people know. I'm looking at Trade Paperback, just the the top. We've got um, Celadon. Okay, that's Hachette, I believe. You drop down from there, Andrews McNeil, that's Rupee. That's not Big Five. Uh, Back Bay. Oh, Back Bay is... 
Uh, oh, Back Bay's a big five. But then Rand McNally yes. and Viz, right? So three of the ten are not big five. Only American Marxism, only American Marxism on the hardcover is not big it's five. It's not big five. And then all of the fiction bestsellers are big five, right? Tor is Macmillan, Vikings yeah. PRH, Simon is Simon, St. Martin's is Shet, Riverhead's PRH, Scribner's SNS, Ballantine is PRH, Ballantine PRH, Double A PRH. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> that make really makes their hay there. Um, yeah, so the bigger big news at eleven. Um, <laughs> I should say there. I think in terms of the the uh, independent bestsellers, the notable streak was but um, twenty two for Norton. They had 22 positions on the list, which oh, is the okay. highest of the independent, except for Viz Media, Viz, 112. Was, yep. So 10 times the next highest. Well, actually, Andrews McNeil is 27. I'm partly. That's Rupee right there. But Viz itself, even with Rupee, Viz was quadrupling up Oof. on Andrews McNeil. It's, so that's why, for those of you, kind of, if you haven't been paying attention to manga and you're in this like weird position like Vanessa and I are, we know enough to know we might need to know about how huge manga is right now. That's where it shows up. It's the biggest selling non-Big Five imprint in terms of bestsellers by week. That's a huge deal. It's huge. huge. And mass, mar- mass market paperback, Kensington, which uh, they make real hay in, like, I don't know what you even call it. Um, there's a lot of cozies. Of, there's a lot of... Uh, it, yeah, it's it's... Paper mass markets paper, and yeah. trades you buy on vacation kind of stuff? Kind of, yeah. Fair? Yeah, I think it, that's a pretty good top-level yeah. look. They're smart folks. Um, yeah. Probably on a dollar-per-dollar basis, in terms of what they pay to acquire their books, they probably make the most hay out of it. I'm surprised they haven't been acquired. I'm sure they've been at offers to be acquired. Oh, look at that. It's 45 minutes, Amanda. We've already got it, and I've got... Now, I don't <laughs> and know you also I, just look, called me Amanda, which is great. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the A's. It's a guest host that ends in A's. You, no, Sharifa, and Vanessa all have the exactly. same vowel sound. I throw you on this. I'm so sorry. No, that's why I'm laughing is because it is a thing that has happened to me. Like, it always yeah, does on I calls know. because we all end in A. It's fine. Um, I think I have to put... Rebecca and I need to figure out a way to cover this because we've kind of gone through an era. We'd asked our listeners about covering censorship, book bannings, and things. And there was a little bit of a, it went back down to kind of normal, but now we're even we've we've mm-hmm. dropped it's like an Omicron we dropped down below Delta and then it's we're spiking way on top up. of it now, yep. and it's all over the place. People the brazenness, you know, we're now banning Mouse and Bluest Eye. Mm-hmm. This story I'll put in the show notes just to put out there: a mayor demanding LGBTQ books get um, taken out of libraries or is going to withhold the funding. Something I haven't seen. We're now out of the. The good old days of just parents squawking Indeed. to a board. I'm looking back on those fondly now, Vanessa. That's how it's bad so it's sad. now. Um, so and I'm going to put a link in the show notes for a couple of those there. To pivot in that way, right? Where he's like, oh, well, it's parents. And everyone's like, is it? <laughs> yeah. And I thank you so much. Um, Kelly put an anti, Kelly Jensen put together an anti-censorship toolkit together for us. I'm going to put a link in the show notes there. Mm-hmm. We need to figure out a way to talk about this. I didn't want us to go without talking about it because yeah. it's important enough. I'm not even sure what else to say at this point, Vanessa. Your your note was, I hate it here in general. <laughs> yes. Hard same for this kind of stuff, yeah. but it's it's really bad. And it's getting stronger and more books are coming. More, more books are being taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it was okay when it was just LBTQ, but just like I say that. But the scope... Mouse by Art Spiegelman being banned. Like, that was wow. today's. Yeah, today's big story. The yeah. Bluest Eye being banned. Not just taken off in a rec- recommended no. reading list. No, like it taking can't, they off the shelf. Yep. Yes. I don't Tony know. Tony Morrison. Um, but, pull her off. Tony the Morrison shelf. and Mouse by Mouse by Art Spiegelman. Maybe the signal achievement in in comics, graphic novel. I mean, it's no, I mean, it's, it's up got there. It's a huge right? legacy. Yeah. It's a, a canonical work. Canonical works being. Um, pulled. I'm at a loss, and you can, you guys can probably hear it from me yeah. right now. But I'm putting it there. Got to figure out some way to cover this, talk about them, without just doing this flail um, that we're doing right now. 
but maybe a be quick aware. little liner is just that like we do cover censorship cut pretty much yes. very frequently on the site now so just to like put a head on it and not take too much of everyone's time but yeah a we do have that censorship toolkit which is a really really great way for those of us that are sitting around like well what do i do about it like especially if you don't have kids maybe you're not engaging with schools yeah know? but we all participate in libraries so anyway it's a That's really right. great comprehensive kit of ways that you can do that are both like some of them are relatively low effort and some are not and then uh, on Fridays, we unfortunately never have a dearth of content. There's always something to write about in the way of censorship. So if you're wanting to know how it's impacting your local communities, we have a censorship section um, mm-hmm. that we cover on the site every week. So stay on top of it because it's getting pretty bad. <sighs> pretty bad. Vanessa, I think we're going to wrap it up there. I have one yeah. story. Maybe Rebecca and I will talk about this. The Walrus did a long wrap up um, <laughs> on the idea of bibliotherapy, yes. which I think... we constitutionally guys you and i are probably on the same vein of bibliotherapy is not therapy but there is a people are looking for books for something which i agree i think my take on this is not what people would think um on the whole so maybe we'll hold that in advance let's do five minutes on tiktok just for a second while while we're here got it you're on it a lot mostly for food i understand that I told Rebecca this. I don't think I've said this on the air, but over winter break when I'm just lolling around, you know, we're not going anywhere (laughs) Omicron. I spent some time on TikTok. It's not for me, which is fine, which is totally fine. Why? (laughs) What an empty but pregnant pause. (laughs) I, I, that was great. um, I don't, um, people are having a lot of fun. They are. Congratulations to them. That's great. It really looks great. I'm not sure, and I'm being asked to think about this from publishing or think about internally. Yeah. What is about what? What is about? I th- it's moving units. I, th- I I totally I know it's moving units. Super. I see that's moving units. It's super influential in the world of books and reading. Is it for good or ill, Vanessa Diaz, right now, or is it just a thing? <sighs> This is how would you, I'm trying how do you to get your head out. around this. Okay. Yeah, I, I think about this a lot, to be fair, also because it is also my job to think about this a lot as mm-hmm. we're trying to, you know, think about how we make content and where and how and why. Uh, and it's a tough nut to crack that I think we're all going to, because I mean, in the beginning, I'll be very honest that if you had asked me this question and about a year and a half ago, I was like, it's a bunch of kids doing the same old dance to like Gwen Stefani and Beyonce mm-hmm. mixed up. And in large part that is still what tiktok is but now we've got all these little subsets and like book talk in particular is such an interesting place because it sort of just feels like people giving really dramatic descriptions of books yes and then again that's how like and this is no disrespect to colleen hoover at all but like that that one is just you can't you cannot swing a cat and miss like it's everywhere and i'm trying to figure out like the for ill or for good part because I doesn't feel like the creators that I am seeing who are out here literally trying to highlight, like, no, these are really great books that I want to talk about mm-hmm. for these, like, very substantial reasons, don't seem to have the views behind them that the people who are yeah. doing, like, a dramatic, you know, reenactment yeah. of, like, whatever trendy thing is, but then just making it a little bit bookish. And that's the part that I'm like, do I want to be out here doing the da 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 yeah. with a book in my hand like oh, i don't know <laughs> so. I, that's what that's what i, I mean uh, that's what my caveat is and i, I say this sometimes satirically to, that, that's great for other people i don't mean that satirically here this is sure. fun for you super great have yeah. a great time that's super interesting i guess what i'm thinking more broadly about is like you know is there something for me specifically but how yeah. durable this this is because as you said like these same books have been talked about for like more than a year now. Like mm-hmm. we haven't, it doesn't seem like it's moved on because the algorithm feeds it and the algorithm feeds it. And then people know what the algorithm does and people are very cagey about including this book and this hashtag. And it really feeds on itself. I guess I feel like the idea of short form video where uh, yep. people can be authentic is really cool. I think the thing that's making TikTok move units is the same thing I wish would go away, which is the, the winner take it all kind yep. of mode of algorithm, algorithm, algorithm. That. I wish it was different. I like, I like the idea of it. Um, people talking authentically. I think short form video is cool. I like the idea that the tools are cool enough now that you can see someone have a cool idea or do something interesting with the book. But the actual content being produced to me, I, I did a, a couple weeks of looking at it, and I'm and I look at tick, even just the icon on my phone. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to go back there right now. I'm just not interested <laughs> in myself. Don't make me. 
Yeah, I mean, it's fine. And I, I just, that's kind of where I am. And, and Danica and I talked about it for a long time um, on that show before. Mm-hmm. And that it's okay for other people and great for other people and not okay for yep. me is totally fine. Please have fun wherever you want to have fun. But is this a new piece of the firmament or is it a fad is too strong, but a wave, I guess, now that we all know this? Like, is this a spike in a wave? And are people still going to be buying a whole bunch of books off TikTok in a year? Maybe, probably. Are they the same books? If they are, I think that's a bad development. I guess that's what I'd say. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. It's like, especially because of the short form format, like there's parts of that that are really great. Right. But I do Mm -hmm. think that um, because it is short form, unless you are going the full three minutes and let's be honest, like people's attention spans are such that like you're probably not always going the full three minutes. Yeah. You're giving what is ultimately a very like what's a quick ass caption that I can give. Sorry, I just said that word. But um, that's like that, you know, will sell this book. And it's like the stuff that's that I feel I want to give like this really glowing review for is not a thing I can accomplish in a 15 second video. So I have to go for like the splashy like. These people doing that on the beach, or you know what? I, and again, no shade because I am a romance reader, but like, it's just well. Hard there's a reason to, podcasting's my favorite form for this. Indeed, because we get to sit here and creator. yes, yeah, like you know, talk. So yeah, I well, we'll have to keep thinking about this because we do what we do. But I um, yeah, to be determined. I guess if you, so. I mean, it does seem like if you don't want to play the algorithm game, you're not going to reap the rewards of the algorithm, which sounds yeah. like obvious, but. That is a trap, a content trap, mm-hmm. I think, that's hard to fall into. I know there's people in the industry that listen. I'd love to know the success stories of books yeah. on TikTok that aren't like the 10 to 20 that we all know. And if you know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you don't know enough to comment. No, I'm serious. Yeah. Like if you no, don't know what those yeah. are. That's not right? a bad thing. It's just a thing. That's yeah. not a bad, it's just true. But if you, if there's like, yeah, there's this like, in, or I don't even care if it's indie. It could be a big five book. Yeah. That's not one of the one 15 of the or not. 20. Yeah. That somehow you can say, yeah, we think that we sold an extra 5,000 units this week because of it. I'd like to know that. I'd like to know that the coattails for TikTok are a lot longer than they are. Yeah. That it's not like Because that'd be line. great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's right. That's right. All right. Anyway, Vanessa, thank you so much. Bookriot.com slash listen for show notes, podcast at bookriot.com. Go listen to us talk about witches on yes. Adaptation Nation. Um, we talked about William Shakespeare. Go get your winner preview draft. Vote for um, whoever you want to vote. <laughs> no, there's no electioneering here. Wink implied. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm here. I'm not off. So, you know. I'm pounding. I'm kissing babies this week, Vanessa. <laughs> Petting kittens and kissing babies. <laughs> uh, Vanessa, joke. thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> Sounds. Thanks. Bye.